0: live. Hello and welcome. This is Brooke Volk, your host and assistant writer to Ken Vernon, the inspired author of the ebook Revelation of Revelation A Total Fraud. What you're about to hear on this episode of Revelation of Revelation has never been revealed before now in audio format. Listen in now as we introduce today's program topic on this one-of-a-kind program where Scripture speaks the truth through the in-depth Scripture studies of Ken Vernon. And when directing your browser to the website, it's revelationofrevelation.com. If you haven't already, you can place your order for your copy, either in the printed form or in the e-book version at revelationofrevelation.com. Like to read an excerpt? Well, you may do so when you visit the website. Just click on the tab, excerpt. And now, the author, Ken Vernon, and today's Revealed Truth Explained. Hello, Ken. Hello,
1: Brooke. And good evening, everyone. Thanks for coming. Tonight, we will begin by sharing with you many of the false premises upon which most of us come to the Scriptures expecting to learn the truth. For example, as a child, I was told that what's written in the Bible is what the Creator was provided for us by our Creator so that we can rely on whatever is written in the Bible. Now, millions still approach the scriptures or still approach the Bible in the same manner. However, what I was told as a child regarding the accuracy of what's written in the book that we call the Bible is simply not true. For example, If you are aware of the books that are called the apocryphal books, you will know that they only exist in the Bible or the book that's called the Bible. And it can only be found in the Roman Catholic Church. They and only they continue with a version of the scriptures and the Bible that contains books that were thrown out of the Bible by the Council of Nicaea more than 1,500 years ago. That's a long, long time. Since then, we came to the place where there was a revolt against the Roman Catholic Church. And we now know the people who revolted as the uh, Protestant reformers, or the period as the Protestant Reformation, where the books that are now in the English translation of the scriptures or the Bible that we have are actually what was considered canon by them, or only the books that are really that were really inspired, and those are the ones that we can rely on. However, over the ensuing years when the printing press became available many, many distortions many, not mistakes but willful changes in the Bible in the scriptures from the Old Testament to the New Testament were made. In spite of the fact that the scriptures right from the pen of Moses tells everyone do not add to the scriptures, do not take anything away from them. Yet the translators ignoring what's written in the book, and they they were the ones who actually translated those lines and they put them in the scriptures. Yet they took they had no regard for what they translated. They went about the business, and tonight I will begin by showing you, it begins with the word or the name God. The Hebrew Scriptures, nowhere has the word God in it. Your Old Testament copy that you have in your hands, on your desk, on your night table, or wherever you may keep your Bible, There's an English word in it called God, but it was put there by men. The Hebrew from the scriptures is Elohim, for which that word was substituted by the word God. And it means the mighty ones. And as we go tonight, I will show you the confusion that has come about by the people who willfully put lies in your scriptures in spite of all the the work they did, even the many translations they did, from the pen of Moses, as I said, and from the prophet Samuel, or from from King Solomon, where he tells us not to add to the words of the Creator, lest he would reprove us, and we would found to be liars. Well, today you and I have found, we have found, the, script, the Institute for Scripture Research has also found and proven from history that there are actually eight of the ten books in your New Testament that are a fraud. I disagree. With the ISR, I say there are ten. They missed the book of Revelation. They also missed First Thessalonians. I'll give you a list of those books to begin. They are First and Second Thessalonians. There are one, two, and three John. One and two Peter, James, Jude and, of course, Revelation. All those books that are now in the Bible that are considered Scripture by every church, by every religious denomination, by everyone, is actually... Those books are really not Scripture. They have one telltale point in all of them. They contend lies. Lies cannot be found in the Scriptures. The Apostle Paul reminded young Timothy that all Scripture is given by inspiration of Yahweh and they are profitable for reproof, for correction, for doctrine, for instructions in righteousness. If we don't have a book that contains the truth, how can we reprove anything? (laughs) How can we make any corrections if we're working with a bunch of lies? So tonight, the message is to remember that one cannot come to the place of the knowledge of the truth if one is reading lies. Messiah said to the people who believed on him, if you continue in my word, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That is how important the truth is. It can only come from the words of the Messiah who elsewhere in the scriptures call himself the truth. He said, I am the way, the life and the truth. Excuse me. No man can come to me unless the Father sent me, sent them who draws me. We today in throughout what is called Christianity, are in a very sad place because we do not have the truth. In the Gospel of John, we are also told, Messiah prayed, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. So we see once again from the lips of the Messiah himself, without the truth, the first fruits, or as the church, the, the Christianity calls it the church, the first fruits cannot be sanctified with a host of lies. Hence, all that we look for, or all that Christianity looks forward to today, is the lies that were put into the scriptures by, in some cases, misguided translators. And at other times, they were purposely put there by people who had their personal agenda. It is very easy to control people with religion. The people from the ancient religious Roman religion, the Pontifex Maximus people, from where we get the word Pope and Pontiff, are the people who took small portions of the New Testament, and purposefully put their personal lines in them to manufacture a religious organization called Christianity. Christianity comes from the Roman Empire. It is very easy to see that that's its place of origin, the seat or the power of Christianity still resides in Rome. No one needs to have any proof. It's right there before our faces every time there's a grand religious occasion. The Pope is the one who is featured by the media. And throngs and throngs and throngs of people come to hear him, come to listen to him, come to be blessed by him. And those many millions of people never... In all their walk, pick up a copy of the Bible to see if the things that were put forward by the church are actually true. But also from the Gospel of John, Messiah said I pray not for the world, but for those who were given to him. Here right from the Messiah's lips we see that Religion or the knowledge from the Bible, from the scriptures, is not for the world. It is not for the many millions and billions of Christians who go about the business of going to church on Sunday. Sunday worship is another one of those days that was manufactured by Roman Emperor Constantine when he dutifully went about the business of Making the church that is called Christianity. They changed a number of names, Hebrew names, from the uh, New Testament, and in many places they used English names. Along with the aid from the English translators of the scriptures, we find, for example, All the apostles are Englishmen. That is a bold-faced lie for anyone who has even the slightest bit of education. The Bible or the scriptures come from Jerusalem, not from Rome. However, the English translations of the Bible you and I have represent the apostles as a group of Englishmen. Peter and John and Paul and James, and Jude. Those names do not appear in Scripture anywhere. All the apostles, as I said before, were Hebrews. Every last one of them. Not one of them had the name Peter, Paul, John, Jude, and all, and the remainder of the names. Right down to the name Matthew. Mark is the only, only Hebrew name that comes out of all that confusion. In the Old Testament, if I may switch back to the Old Testament at this time, we find the names of the prophets. All the names, all the people, the Hebrew peoples, from the scriptures in the Old Testament, all the prophets had Hebrew names. There was no Isaiah and Jeremiah and and, uh, Daniel or Ezekiel. All the prophets, once again, we find that they come to us as Englishmen. That is not true. The, The lies are so subtle that we go right past them in our daily walk. Another point to make here is the Messiah said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4 that salvation is of the Jew. The Englishman, once again, changing that word Judah to Judah, makes reference to the people from the tribe of Judah as Jews. That is also incorrect. The Messiah chose that tribe through which he would come into this world from his place of glory and become a human being and bring the good news, the message of the good news to his people. Today you and I hear a message of bad news. And I, if you would care to look, just very briefly, no one, not one minister out there, is preaching the good news. Oh, they call it the gospel, all right, but the good news they're preaching is the end of the world. That is one of the biggest lies that has been peddled by Christianity for more, for almost two millennia. When the church, when the Christian church surfaced in the 3rd century, it had absolutely no connection whatsoever to the church that was reared up in the 1st century by the apostles and by the Messiah. Not one of those people continued beyond the 1st century. The church went to sleep. The church members all died The apostleship was not handed over to anyone else. Once the apostles died, it was all over for the church in the first century. Since then, we have had any number of representations by people claiming to be the people who are now commissioned to take the good news to the world. But here is a fallacy. Here is an explanation for you how misguided those people were. Messiah told his apostles, he said, Go you also, into all, in, therefore, into all the world and preach the good news. And these signs shall follow those people. people. And they must be baptized to prove that they are believers. And the manifestations of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit would be manifest, would come forward from these people so that the apostles knew who the people were who were being called. But the biggest problem with that is that he said to them, Do not leave Jerusalem until you are given power from above to take the message of the good news to the world. So the apostles who were the only people commissioned to take the good news to the world were given special powers on the day, on the festival of first fruits, to go to the world and preach the good news. As I said, we have not heard that good news. All we have heard over all these centuries is the end of the world. Again, we are classic examples of the people who the Messiah did not pray for. He said, I pray not for the world. Now to the church. Without the truth becoming available to the church, it would be impossible for any kind of sanctification to take place. For example, from Daniel chapter 12, we we read, Daniel was told to close the book. The words are sealed until the time of the end. Where we are at this time, the unsealing is taking place when we have people like me and a handful of others who have gone about the business of procuring a better English translation of the Bible, thereby learning the truth which the Messiah left for us, so that we can continue in his word, which is the truth, from which we gather the truth. The book of Revelation, as we clearly declare, is a fraudulent work. It begins with a colossal lie. This, The smokescreen that's in that first sentence in the first chapter and the first verse of the book of Revelation is the name Jesus Christ. All of Christianity, as I said before, have this very common thread sewn into the fabric of their religious organization where they are worshipping someone who is called Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. You have a computer, and so do multiple millions, hundreds of millions of others in this world. Take your computer, and go to that major search engine on the internet, or any other, if you choose. Find yourself the English translation, English, the King James, the 1611 King James translation of the Bible, and you will discover a very interesting thing. The letter J cannot be found anywhere, absolutely nowhere in that translation. The coveted King James, the letter J is not in any part of it. How is it then? Here's the pointed question. That we now worship, or many of us still do, a person called Jesus Christ. But here's what's even worse about that. There is no J sound or J equivalent letter in the Hebrew language. So once again, the pointed question, where do we get a Jesus from? Now if you remember I said, and I quoted his words If you continue in my word, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. All of Christianity, all of the various denominations, continue in the words of men. As a result, they do not have the truth, cannot have the truth, so they do not belong to the first fruits. The letter J. There is no J sound in the Hebrew language. It was introduced into the English language after the first printing of the King James Bible. Yet, shockingly, most people ignore that. And they think that it's all right to do that because that's what everybody else is doing. In other words, they consider what the crowd is doing that looks good, so it must be good. Well, that is sadly a tragic error because they spend their lives worshiping their Creator in vain. We who have been given His Holy Spirit to guide us to the place of the knowledge of the truth have only recently very recently 1909 i think or 190 or 1997 i think was the first printing of the english translation of the scriptures that is the most accurate the language in it is very similar to the king james old english but nevertheless they bring us the truth they bring us the proper names of all the prophets, all the Hebrew names, for example, the name Jeremiah is taken from the Hebrew word, Yirmiyahu. I'm sure you're familiar with that name, Yahoo. Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister of Israel, who is also from the tribe of Judah, has that name attached to the end of his name. It is the Creator's name that is being shared with Netanyahu, the prophet Isaiah. His name is not Isaiah. His name is Yeshayahu. And unless one takes those proper names and go about the business of looking at their Hebrew names and what they mean, you can see the tragic error that has been brought about by people who try to change them and make them into English names. Again, We have the importance of the truth before us. Messiah told the Pontius Pilate, when Pontius Pilate asked him what is truth, he said, For this purpose came I into the world, to bear witness to the truth. In John chapter 1, we are also told that the law was given by Moses. But the truth, grace and truth, was given by Messiah. So, as we begin to run out of time here, I want to show you that if you have spent all your years in most of the very popular English translation of the Bible, without a proper English translation of the Bible, you cannot obtain the truth. If you do not have the truth, you are not a member of the first fruits, and to use the common word that's found everywhere throughout Christianity, you are not a member of the church. Back to you, Brooke.
0: Thank you, Ken. For those who tuned in late and would like to hear from the beginning this episode of Revelation of Revelation, You may do so within minutes after the broadcast when it is archived automatically in the talk-shoe format for years to come. There have been about 40-some episodes, and they are all archived from the very first one until this evening's program. You've been listening to Ken Vernon. And you may have questions. Maybe there is something you didn't understand. Well, it's simple to contact Ken directly at vergetti, V-E-R-G-E-D-I, at optonline.net, O-P-T-O-N-L-I-N-E. Visit anytime the website revelationofrevelation.com that promotes the book. You have various ways to get in touch with us, but a contact tab is at that Website. You can also read an excerpt of this book, and/or you can even place the order for the book in either an e-book or published version. Your choice. You can order a copy. You can see that at revelationofrevelation.com. For the guests who've tuned in tonight and since left or are waiting for the archive so they can go and hear you from the beginning, Ken, we thank them for tuning in. There has been no questions here, but again, they have the opportunity to give a question any time during their day or night or week by giving you an email. Yes. Okay, Ken and I are ordinary folks. And if you read scripture, I think it says the ordinary folks will confound the mighty. We're here and we're not boasting. We're not saying that we are the chosen ones, nothing like that. We have been given the truth. Ken Vernon has been a 50-plus year Bible scholar, and in the latter decade, he has intensified through inspiration, and within the past three years, he has really had a, an awakening to the truth of Scripture and just how much the Scriptures of today in your traditional Bibles are in error. This has been a privilege to be part of this episode. Again, it will be archived shortly after this program concludes. And we invite you to come back again next week. We'll look for the next episode right here on Revelation of Revelation. And this is a part of the talk show format where the archived programs on many programs that are being aired on this format have been archived for your listening pleasure. Till next week, then, this is Brooke Volk, assistant writer to Ken Werder, Vernon, bidding you a good evening.